Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 is our gospel reading. In the time of King Herod. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, For so it's been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, and still it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star that had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Matthew tells us our story takes place in the time of Herod. Herod was a king with stunning accomplishments in his lifetime. Among them, he founded the city of Caesarea Maritima, where I was on this very day Four years ago. This city has this incredible open air theater that, that Herod had constructed, and the engineers who designed this open air theater did so that, so that there would be a space right in the center of the stage where a person could stand and speak very plainly, and everyone in the theater 
could hear you. Front row, 200 steps back, back row, left, right, all around in every direction. And so I stood in that spot. I looked up at all the tourists walking back and forth through the theater. And I said, hello. And a whole bunch of heads turned toward me. They heard me. I didn't know what to say next. It was a little bit awkward. But that was something of the power of Herod in Herod's day. His voice went forth and heads turned. Herod not only built Caesarea Maritima, he built a number of different cities. He engineered a bunch of different buildings, edifices, theaters. Famously put on a big expansion to the temple, the western wall, which is still there, part of that. He was something of, of uh, had a strong interest in the latest and greatest in technology. And so he used the latest in, in cement technology and underwater technology to bring fresh water into inland Jerusalem. He built up the military. He built two incredibly impressive fortresses, including the famous one at Masada. Our to- story begins in the time of King Herod, a time of great expansion creative technology, a time when a voice could speak and heads would turn. And, Matthew tells us, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, just after this child of two peasants was born in an unremarkable small village. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Wise men, or, or magi, as we sometimes call them. It's, it's a word that literally means magicians. But it likely refers to here a group of scholarly astrologers. Learned men who, who they studied the stars for signs, for meaning. And they're from the east. Adam and Eve were sent east of Eden. East is the direction of wickedness. East is the realm beyond the religion and way of Judaism and the God Yahweh. They come from the east to the heart of Judaism, Jerusalem. But these people from beyond the faith, these Gentiles, they have been given an impressively faithful vision, which should at least give us some pause when we think about where and how and among whom the living God might at any moment be working. And these wise men from the east, they ask, where's the child who's been born, king of the Jews? We observed his star at its rising and and have come to pay him homage. We've come to worship. A star at its rising. Scholars have have debated precisely what they, they saw, but it's clear they acknowledged in the sky a rising light, a rising star of unique significance and understood it to be announcing the birth of a king. Unwittingly, These magi are walking in the steps of the Isaiah prophecy you heard me read from in in Isaiah 60. Nations, Gentiles, will come to your light. They shall bring gold and frankincense. By the way, Isaiah 60 talks about them as kings, which is where we get the idea of kings as the magi. Though Matthew just calls them the wise men. As these wise men are asking for the whereabouts of Jesus, that they might worship Jesus, the great King Herod gets word. And we read that he, along with all of Jerusalem, 
is frightened. Other translations have fearful, troubled, deeply perturbed, terrified. Why? Why is a man who speaks and heads turn terrified of a small child? When I visited the Holy Land four years ago, we did go to Masada for an entire day, that massive fortress that Herod built. Maybe some of you have been there or you've, you've seen the Peter O'Toole movie. It's, it's this massive fortress located in the wilderness a number of miles from Jerusalem and it's built on this huge mount of rock. And if you don't take the cable car that they have now built to get you up there, it takes a good hour of laborious walking to get even to the base of this fortress. And you can really only go up that one side because then the other three sides are just sheer cliff. On the inside, once you're there, you realize there's this massive outlay of defensive walls and ingenious ways to protect the space. And on the inside are the rooms and the dining room and even these luxury uh, bathhouses. It's a stunning achievement, but the architecture does seem to echo the man that Scripture and other historians of Herod's time record. Herod was a man who constantly lived in fear that what he had built, what he had designed, what he had accomplished, what he enjoyed, would be taken from him. Josephus, one of the famous historians of of this time, records Herod kept no fewer than 2,000 bodyguards around him at all times. He regularly used brutal tactics and a heavy oppressive tax system to keep people in line. He once heard a rumor that his two eldest sons might be plotting something against him. He had them killed immediately. And then the great Masada, perfectly fortified on every side to ensure that his life, his luxury, could be maintained just so, regardless of the threat. And so even if Jesus is quite small... News of a new light dawning, one that might grow and eventually arc over and above and even into his fortress, threaten all that he has. That, that he would not stand for. Another king, possibly. And so, you heard, Herod meets with the Magi, sends them to Bethlehem. That's where his chief priests and scribes say the Messiah is to be born. And he gives them instructions. Go, search diligently for the child. And when you found them, bring me word so that I too might go and worship. I wonder if the Magi pick up on Herod's motives. I I wonder if Herod relays that in a suggestive tone. When you found him, be sure and bring him back. Now Matthew doesn't tell us that, but we do know, just after the scripture I read today that Herod orders the killing of all males two years old and younger in his kingdom in an attempt just to kill the one, Jesus. And so it does seem incredibly likely these magi know enough about Herod and Herod's reputation and his way to be aware that Herod's watching. Herod is always looming in the day of Herod. The wise men set out. Ahead of them, went the star that they saw at its rising. They hold their gaze on that star as it guides their journey until finally the star stands directly over the place where Jesus, now a child, is. And at that moment we read they are overwhelmed with joy. Matthew doesn't record them ever being overwhelmed back in Jerusalem. What with the grand expansion of the temple, the stunning new Water technology, 
Matthew doesn't record them ever being overwhelmed by the menacing spirit and very real power of Herod. It's neither the latest and the greatest, neither the looming nor the looming dangers and fears that have caught their most fundamental attention. They are overwhelmed by joy because of a star that has pointed them directly to Jesus. In college, I could become so small and selfish and inwardly focused with all the stresses I put on myself regarding tests and studies and what will or won't happen after college. I I, I sort of became unmoored easily with this ridiculous anxiety. But amid all of that, there were a few of us who would go stargazing most Sundays around 10 o'clock. It was exactly as it sounds. We'd go out to the Davidson College Lake campus, lay on our backs, and look at stars for an hour, hour and a half. Have you ever just watched stars for a while? They're all so small, but they're actually really quite big. I mean, the sun is an average-sized star. And so they're at once so small and so big. And and if you catch a particularly clear night, you can catch so many of these very small, very big stars puncturing the sky. Right? It's breathtaking. It's breath-giving. These little big stars against the night sky, they they would have a soul-expanding effect on me as I considered the beautiful and mysterious ways and handiwork of God. I I would return to campus with a different sense of peace, sometimes clarity. It, it was an exercise that taught me that really stargazing should be a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday activity because there really are countless day, moments in the day where light is made known to us. And plenty of it happens not just in the night sky, right? It's her first step. Or her first step after months of rehab and many prayers, that's light. It's the meal prepared for you like countless others in a world where that's not given. That's light. It's live music plays by people whose souls come alive when they offer this their gift. That's light. It's quiet, unexpected, serene moments that settle into our day where we can simply somehow receive the presence of God, that's light. It's a walk, noticing the handiwork of God. It's a rescue. It's a healing. It's a friend who means it. It's a stranger or a friend with a kind word, and they look you in your eye because they, they want you to receive this gift. It's praying that God might speak a word to you in opening scripture, and, and my gosh, God, in fact, speaks a living word. That's light. It's the new clarity you have in light of the recent pain you've known. That's light. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness and self-control. They are these small moments that are really big moments because they are the eternal light of the risen Jesus Christ puncturing the night sky, sometimes even flooding it on the clear days. They are the light who has overcome the darkness, breaking through and gracing us, embracing us. Have you ever just watched stars for a while? Amid the latest and the greatest, and amid very real reasons to fear the bottom might just fall out on them. 
The wise men are overwhelmed with joy because the star points them to Jesus, the source of life, the source of love, the source of meaning. On entering the house then, the wise men, they they see the child in person. Mary's there. They kneel down and and pay him homage. And and then they open their treasure chest. They offer him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The evidence of real joy. Not plastered on, let's fake it. Real joy is twofold. It is humility and it is generosity. The wise men, they kneel. Their bodies give visible expression to the fact that they humbly do, in fact, cede all control to Jesus. He is the light. He is the king. He is the one who has given them their joy. And then they open their treasure chest, you heard, and they they pull out not their leftovers, but actually their finest, their most costly gifts, gifts that give visible expression to the joy they know. And I love how Matthew speaks of them opening their treasure chest because that's what joy does. It opens closed people, closed hearts, closed systems. And we're led in that space of true joy to give actually our best self, the best of what we have. Humility and generosity born of stargazing. I mean, what a thing that that Herod could speak a word and heads near and far from every direction would turn. And yet it's the Magi. It's the Magi whose fragrant offering has carried and endured so much further. They paid more attention to the star than they did Herod. More attention to the light than they did the fear. And what if amid all that vies for our heart's attention every single day... We took some time to notice the stars. Remembering, of course, as Herod intuited, science affirms, and the Bethlehem birth declares, each light only ever appears small. Amen.